Everything we know about Christ's birth, all the details from the Annunciation at Nazareth to the stable in Bethlehem, comes from two Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew and Luke. Without them, there would be no choirs of angels and shepherds, no baby in a manger, no wise men come to offer gifts, and certainly no Gloria in excelsis at Mass, because that comes from Luke, and probably no Christmas carols either, and that means no Come All Ye Faithful, no Silent Night, no Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Matthew and Luke provide all the images for our theological imagination for Christmas. St. Mark says nothing about the birth of Christ or his hidden years at Nazareth. His gospel begins with the adult Christ, a man of maybe 30, suddenly appearing in Galilee like a bolt out of the blue, preaching repentance. That leaves one more gospel, John's. If all we had was the gospel of John, we could still celebrate Christmas, but it would look probably different, maybe even radically different, from what it does today. Matthew and Luke give us the historical background and the human interest story. It's not that they're indifferent to the theology. They give us the theology, but it's filtered through the participants, the actors. The circumstances of his conception and birth are unusual. There are mysterious comings and goings of angels from heaven and magi from the east. There are hints of powerful spiritual and political forces aligned against this tiny infant. All this is important of what is to come when, as an adult, he will be betrayed into the hands of his enemies and crucified as a public nuisance. But for those who have faith, he is none other than the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. And more, the circumstances of his unusual birth also tell us that he is God in human flesh, infinity poured into the tiny body of a baby. St. John may not tell us about the details of the Christmas story, but that, but what he does tell us is that the birth of, what the birth of Christ ultimately means because his concern is with the deeper theological meaning. Strip away Matthew and Luke's account, as John does, and this is what we get. Jesus of, of Nazareth is not just any infant. He is the unique Son of the Eternal Father, eternally begotten before all time and now become a human being. To look at him is to see the fullness of God's glory in a helpless infant with a diaper rash. That may may sound amusing or shocking, but it is nonetheless incomprehensible mystery. And what is also incomprehensible about Christmas is that God does not exist within creation. He is wholly other and cannot be subject to time or limited to space. We can't map him on a grid, in other words. But when the word becomes flesh, everything changes about God. God comes among us as a human being, though still remaining God. He breathes the same air as every living creature, shares the same natural biological processes of you and I, uh, and ultimately dies our own death. And here's the crucial part. 
He's not taken by death. He gives himself up to death freely for the life of the world. The mystery of his incarnation and birth cannot be separated from the mystery of his death and resurrection. They're all single piece. Matthew and Luke, Mark and John may begin the story as different, at different points, but they tell it from different theological perspectives. They still end up at the same place across on Good Friday and the be tomb on Easter Sunday. There are, they are a chorus of four voices telling us that Christmas is our true vocation revealed to ourselves. Whether we look at a child in a manger or a body of a man hanging on a cross, we see not only who God is, but who we are called to be. <laughs>